to the Wellness Journey podcast from the St. John Vianney Center. I'm Dr. Mariette Danilo, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to journey with you through these challenging times and to hopefully provide you with information that will help sustain you. Our podcasts are aimed at keeping you healthy in mind, body, and spirit. This is podcast 14. The title of today's podcast is Resilience. What is it and how can I get it? Well, hello again. It's been a while and we've interviewed some very special people, each with their own expertise, their own perspective, their own experience and way of looking at this pandemic. I hope that you've been able to get some takeaways that have helped you in some way. We've been hearing from some of you, and I know that this has been a challenge. You're the people that others turn to and look for answers and solutions and reasons for all of this. You nourish others. Anyway, the purpose of these podcasts is to nourish you. So I hope that you're doing well. I've been leading up to the topic of resilience. You may remember from past podcasts that our main concern was the increased likelihood that you would experience symptoms of chronic stress during this crisis. The pandemic and all of its demands of keeping safe have been prolonged, and prolonged chronic stress is unhealthy. The bottom line is that we want to help you navigate through this time, providing you with tools and resources that we hope will assist you. If you're anything like me, you've had enough of this new normal. There are things going on around us in our families, our communities, in our country, and in the world that seem unsurmountable. How can we fix them when our usual methods have been taken from us? And how can I ask you to be optimistic and have a healthy, positive lens when we're looking at some very serious problems? I have no clever answers. I only know research. And the research tells us that positive people have better outcomes in life and in health than pessimistic people who are more likely to fall into despair. Remember the line in the movie, The Shawshank Redemption? Remember when Andy Dufresne says, get busy living or get busy dying? Let's ask ourselves each day if we're growing towards the light, like a plant that leans toward the sun. I say this because this is so important. Now, onto the topic at hand. I'm going to outline for you in the next few podcasts the following. The story of resilience, or what it is, what puts you at risk, and what protects you. Think of it like a legal scale. Try to put as much in the protection side as possible to offset the risks. And guess what? You have a good deal of control here. And we've also said all along the control is very important. It's important that we control what we can. Most importantly, we'll talk about how to acquire resilience and how you can set your sails to navigate. 
through any stressful time. So let's begin. What is resilience? The construct has its roots in the work done in developmental psychopathology during the 1970s. Although a number of theorists have contributed to this concept, the credit in my book goes to a researcher by the name of Norman Garmazay, who wanted to understand why some children from adverse conditions and horrific backgrounds went on to thrive while others declined. He discovered much of what we will be talking about in the next few podcasts. Today, resilience is commonly referred to as the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress. Would you agree that this pandemic falls into this category? Although there is some variation in the definition that experts have, the ability to bounce back after adversity is a typical component of everybody's theory. And there must be adversity or stress. Without stress, there can be no resilience. There is also a potential for personal growth through adversity because of this. But let's continue with our definition. I like the work of University of Pennsylvania researcher, Martin Seligman. Here is a quote from his book, Learned Optimism. Who gives up easily and who never gives up? Who survives when his work comes to nothing or when he is rejected by someone he has loved long and deeply and why? Clearly, some people don't prevail, and some do prevail and manage to pick themselves up and, with life somewhat poorer, manage to go on and rebuild. Now, after seven years of experiments, it was clear to us that the remarkable attribute of resilience need not remain a mystery. It was not an inborn trait. It could be acquired. End of quote. So if you're not very resilient, guess what? The skills can be learned. So resilience is about facing stressors head on and looking at stressful situations as opportunities for growth. Stress is like a workout for your mind muscles. It builds character and exercises your problem solving ability. It's also important to note that resilient people do experience suffering. They are not immune to pain. They are not numb. It's not a numbing experience. Seligman says, this is not about replacing suffering with happiness. It's about learning to be happy in spite of suffering. Having said all this, let me emphasize that there may be times when we become overwhelmed and would benefit from professional help to get us back on track. A resilient person would most certainly do this as he or she would then be facing, not avoiding their challenges and they would be engaging in problem solving. 
and problem solving is a characteristic part of resilience. So now that we have an idea of what resilience is, let's talk about what puts you at risk and what protects you. In other words, what are the component parts of resilience? What do you need to work on? Let's see if you can recognize yourself and others. While there are a number of interpretations for defining resilience, but my favorite model is the PERMA model, posited by Dr. Martin Seligman of the University of Pennsylvania, who is a proponent of positive psychology. The acronym PERMA stands for P for positive emotions, E for engagement, R, relationships, M, meaning, and A for accomplishments. For this podcast, I will talk about the first characteristic of resilience, positive emotions. Remember, in our first few podcasts, I talked about our lens, seeing and interpreting events clearly and in a positive light, putting things in perspective, trying to see things accurately sometimes taking an aerial view. We also talked about cognitive distortions and how our minds can distort and exaggerate things, cloud our judgment, and impact the way we feel and ultimately how we choose to behave. We learned that differences in thinking have consequences. We laughingly sometimes call this stinking thinking. For example, let's look at optimists and pessimists. We know that optimists do much better academically in work environments and on the playing field. They regularly exceed predictions of aptitude tests. Their health is unusually good. And there is evidence that they may live longer than pessimists. Now let's take a look at pessimists. What is a pessimist? I'll give you an example of someone I'll call Aunt Sophie. Aunt Sophie is a pessimist. One day her niece says to her, Aunt Sophie, let's go to the beach. Let's have a picnic today. And Aunt Sophie says, no, it's going to rain. And her niece says, but Aunt Sophie, the sky is blue. There's not a cloud in sight. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. And Aunt Sophie says, that's how it starts. Now, this is a very funny story, but this is really pretty typical of how a, a pessimist thinks. They're just waiting for the other shoe to drop, and anything good will eventually turn sour. Literally hundreds of studies show that pessimists give up more easily and get depressed more often and pessimistic prophecies are self-fulfilling. If you believe you're going to fail, you probably will. Sometimes when I golf, I'll take a, a ball for the water. There's a huge challenging body of water in front of me. I'll take a water ball out of my bag, meaning that it's a cheap, broken up ball that, that's old and I wouldn't be afraid to lose it you know, because golf balls cost money. So sometimes I'll take a, a water ball out of my bag 
if I'm afraid that I'm not going to make it over the water? Well, what's going to happen if I take that golf ball out? I'm probably not going to get that ball over the water because I've already decided that it's probably not going over that water. So that's just one example, but there are many others. The bottom line, though, is that if we habitually believe that misfortune is our fault, it's enduring, and it will undermine everything we do, more of it is bound to befall us than if we believe otherwise. If you go back to one of our earlier podcasts, we talk about the explanatory model. It's the podcast on chronic stress in the mind. It has to do with how we interpret events. And this all means that we will accomplish less than our potential, get depressed more easily, and even put ourselves at risk for illness. Let's think about the pandemic for a moment. If we expect and dread the worst, something that hasn't happened, well, we're not going to be happy for a very long time. Sometimes I think that we should, that it's as easy to expect something wonderful, that something, it's as easy to be hopeful as it is to feel dread. So we can hope for something good to happen and that this will resolve itself and there'll be a vaccine and something good will happen. Why not? Why not think that way? So let's talk about awe. Do you experience awe? It's a very important positive emotion. University of Pennsylvania researchers define awe as the emotion of transcendence, a feeling of admiration and elevation in the face of something greater than the self. When you stand in front of the ocean, you feel little, but not, not small. You feel like there's something greater out there than the self, and it's a good feeling. So how do you feel when you look at the ocean waves and a sunset and beautiful waterfalls? Or you could marvel at the workings of a beehive or look at the wild ponies, such as the ones we see in Chincoteague. And a link between exposure to nature and well-being is strong. It results in an immune boost, improved cognitive functioning, and an increase in pro-social behavior. In fact, city dwellers who visit nature-rich environments see an immediate reduction in stress hormones. The feeling of being part of something greater than oneself is truly powerful. Now, awe happens to be the opposite of, guess what? Rumination. And what is rumination? Well, it's a tendency to engage in thoughts and behaviors that maintain one's focus on one's negative emotions and the possible causes and consequences of those emotions. It becomes a negative downward spiral, spiral that's characteristic of depression. Rumination or mulling over worries is a huge predictor of depression. Now, we sometimes need to lick our wounds 
have a good cry, or reflect on a worry. But if we habitually spend way too much time in that place, then we're not problem solving. And problem solving is what the resilient do. We've all been there. Or maybe we know someone who keeps ruminating, worrying, dwelling in that same place for a very long time. Even when solutions are proposed, they don't seem to budge. So this is more than healthy reflection or introspection. And research tells us that it's not effective. So for all that hard work we do ruminating and worrying, it doesn't pay off. It even harms us. Rumination is unhealthy and ineffective and tends to be related to excessive self-focus, self-criticism, self-blame, hurts, and wounds. In a study on coping with loss, ruminators showed little decrease in distress over time. Rumination is a hallmark of anxiety and depression. And when accompanied by chronic stress, immune function may be impaired. And if you go back to our very first podcast, you'll remember that this is all about building your immune system, strengthening it so that you're physically going to be uh, strong as well. Ruminators believe that this helps, but they are significantly less likely to become actively engaged in problem solving than non-ruminators. And you can't be in both these places at the same time. You have to choose. You can choose to stay in a rumination phase, or you can choose to move on to problem solving. It's your choice. So put aside a limited amount of time each day to worry about whatever it is and don't let it affect the rest of your day. Focus on problem solving and healthy ways of coping. You can call a friend, get some exercise, take a walk, get outdoors in the sunshine, check your thoughts. Well, that's it for positive emotions. I encourage you to listen to the podcast on chronic stress in the mind again, and also check the website for cognitive distortions. Try to adopt some of those strategies. In upcoming podcasts, we'll be talking about the other parts of Seligman's PERMA model for resilience, engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishments. Until then, stay safe, and well. You've been listening to the Wellness Journey podcast from the St. John Vianney Center. I hope today's podcast, Resilience, What Is It and How Can I Get It, was helpful to you. You can find all our podcasts and get additional information and resources for clergy and religious by visiting our website at sjvcenter.org. Remember, your companions on the journey to stay healthy in mind, body, and spirit. We are the St. Giambiani Center, and our mission is you.